0: I mean, the one thing I would say with the media is, I guess it's not just the media, it's social media, is that it's like everyone has to, it's like you either have to be the first to mention something or talk about something or to generate clicks and views, you know, or whatever. You have to say something outrageous that you know. Everyone has to have a hot take. Yeah, that you know will, like, you know, upset people. And, And it's kind of sad to me because, like, I feel that if we really – and I know you can't ask fans to take their emotions out of football. It's just – it's impossible. But when it comes to the transfer market, it's really so many moving parts. And the fact that it's so early, but the narratives are already set. Like two, three weeks ago, um, the narrative around, let's say, a club like Arsenal was completely different than it is now. And it just goes to show you, I mean, doing business early is very good, like you said before we started um, about, you know, getting players in for preseason and all that stuff. But my gosh, so, like I'm looking at the way people are talking about Manu, and we're still in June. Did yeah, it's, yeah, okay. If we talk on United for a second, uh, United, a lot of United fans are ready to pull out their hair and like you know just like you know kick up a fuss because i guess a lot of them are the impression that you know with them getting uh uh ten Hag from ajax that he'll be able to bring you know some of their best players with him but then so far it seems like you know ajax isn't playing ball with that narrative that some of the Mm -hmm. united fans thought and and I, I think the what we're looking at now is that I think uh, I think Arsenal recently put a bid in for uh, for their uh, center back or slash left back of Martinez, and then while United wants to buy um, uh, Anthony Anthony f- from them, but the thing is, Ajax have already sold a bunch of players, so yeah, they're in no rush to sell their remaining players. Key players, yeah, and so and so a lot of them feel. Pretty much felt that, you know, if they knew they were getting this guy before the season ended, why didn't they put in, you know, steps to get the players that he probably would have mentioned that he wanted? I I think the thing with them, too, is that, you know, they're really beginning a new regime. And I was listening to a show where a a United fan was talking about, you know, the fans demanded that a, a whole new bunch of people come in to handle the transfers they come in to take care of the club and as that process is unfolding it's it's going to take significantly longer than one single summer window and you know it's very easy for people especially fans to just feel like oh no they should just spend like last summer they spent a lot of money last summer you know, Ronaldo, Sancho, Varane, people, everyone thought that was a great window. Um, and people, I feel like people forget that, like, the clubs, that club has spent a lot of money. Like, a hell of a lot of money. Maybe not the best, but... They, they spent they spent about the same amount of money as Manchester City has spent in the same amount of time. Like, I think about a billion pounds. You know, the, well, like you said, the difference is that no... City had a plan with who they were buying, while United were like just buying for the sake of buying. Right. And also, so I guess C- City had a plan much longer. You know, before Guardiola came in, they had already like started building towards him coming. They they got I think one of a lot of the people working in behind the scenes from Barcelona. They brought mm-hmm. them into City. Yeah. While with United, it's it was just like. You know, just throwing money at the problem. Yeah, it's it's people with um, a, a commercial backgrounds running footballing operations, but but they they are changing. You know, a lot of those people behind the scenes. The the only thing is that fans are, will need to understand that just like I would say, Arsenal fans, you know, have had to wait a few years just to even have a window where they can buy first before selling because manu is going to buy players the issue now is just that they they have to sell um a bunch of people you know uh first that's just the difference in the strategies and also when you have a new well, manager like ten Hag um I he's st- trying to impose what he wants and type of players that he yeah, wants like, i I still don't think United need to sell first They're, their brand is so big that, you know, they've never really needed uh, a sugar daddy like Chelsea did. Yeah, yeah. they they could spend a hundred million on a player, just like Chelsea could, and you know, and you know, they'll probably make a lot of that back from you know from shirt sales, commercial revenue, and all that stuff. So, cause yeah. Because look, they've spent the same amount of money as City without having, without being a state-owned club, mm-hmm. without having a sugar daddy. So that that's, uh, I think people seem to forget. Yeah, the, that, the brand power is, yeah, is mighty. Uni- United is is a is a is a mammoth. Is yeah, a, is a mammoth in the football world. Like, yeah. So it, it it's just pure pure bad bad management. I guess a lot of it comes back to them not realizing that uh, when Ferguson left like the only thing keeping United at the top was pretty much Ferguson's magic because I remember that last team that he won the Premier League with that was not his best United team there were a bunch of average players in there that were held together by Van Persie's goals I guess Rooney had started playing in midfield then. I think well, I think it was Ferdinand still playing. I, I'm I'm not sure. But because that was the exact same team that uh Moyes finished seventh with the, uh, the following season and it cuz I was thinking like I thought the team would have been good enough for not, for Moyes not even have to do much mm. that you know Ferguson has already pretty much laid out I pretty much just given him the layup. All he had to do was dunk. And, you know, it, it just shows that, you know, ha- having a good manager it it is, makes a world of difference. It makes a world of difference. It's not just having the players. Yeah, um I I completely agree with that. And um, and so th- the the one thing they they never should have given So or made him the manager looking back right now. When he was brought in as an interim manager, they should have just kept him as the interim manager for those remaining months and actually got in uh, uh, a world-class manager at that point. Well, well, that's why, um, you know, when Ten Hag was coming in, he, he demanded that he would have a lot more autonomy um, and he would be able to bring his own people in. And, and Manu themselves have realized that, you know, the way they've run things like the like technical director, sporting director, all those kinds of positions. Uh, those positions are so key that um, they influence what's happening on the pitch and they, they they're having to change those uh, backroom staff uh, and management to to really begin to build a solid foundation for themselves um but the thing is that you know manu like you said they have that powerful brand that it it, it still does have pulling power no, no matter what people say and they can find money from somewhere they're not in a barcelona situation where you know um, yeah they yeah they're, you know barcelona's own is a completely different animal But i think they've learned their lesson where they're not just going to spend money because i i, I think if this was a few seasons ago the 80 million that uh barcelona was asking for the young dude have probably paid it yeah or, or maybe not paid right away or maybe they would have still dragged it out to the to the end of the window the same way the uh, maguire transfer went and they just ended up paying it but at this point i feel like they believe that now we can't just spend money anyhow whether we have the money or not it doesn't mean we should just spend it yeah so and as painful as it is to realize those things it's it's probably it's the first step to really building a foundation um, yeah it's you know it, it's the growing pain it's like you know uh, I remember like I was saying when Ferguson first left was when I saw a lot of people were, were saying to some of the young United fans for had only enjoyed all those years of winning I said oh now you're gonna, gonna know what it's like to be a proper football fan <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, their entire lives was then was uh, was them winning. And I guess you could say the same thing to the, some of the young Chelsea fans as well who, you know, started following Chelsea around the time, maybe around like 2004, 2005, when they first started winning. And now that their sugar daddy is gone, you know, they have to be, I would say, you're not coming back down to earth, but they're no longer in the, in the I would say with Chelsea, it, it seems a, a bit... Um, i'm more 50 50 on that i uh it could go either way really but the todd bowley they haven't signed anyone yet um but todd bowley yeah, the they new, haven't signed anyone um, yet but you know, they've also had a lot of back uh backroom staff people i think Piet- yeah peter check just left like yeah. the lady who was actually uh, marina performing. via something yeah she was the one handling a lot of their transfers and apparently she was the one handling the Sterling transfer, but then now she just left, left in the yeah. middle of it. So they're really like changing. Like Todd Bowley, the the new one of the new owners is coming. I think as the temporary. Um, yeah, he's like sporting director. Temporary and, sporting director, and, and she's, she's he's like handling everything. negotiations by himself. Like he just handled the um, uh, Lukaku back to Inter uh, negotiations to make sure that the they were able to get the loan deal. Um, for 8 million euros um, plus add-ons and uh, full coverage of his salary. So I, I think as as huge as a loss that is, like, he's, like, everywhere. He's, like, he's trying to handle um, – because Chelsea is going after Raheem Sterling. Um, he is uh, trying to lead those negotiations too. So I think he's trying to endear himself to the fans and the club – Um, it it does remain to be seen whether all the backroom changes that they're making is going to have a great reflection next season. The thing with Chelsea is that they they have a decent foundation. They have lost some players. They lost their best defenders um, in this uh, transfer window, but they still have a good team. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're going to fall off the face of the earth. And if they do get Raheem Sterling, which I think would be a great move, Chelsea is not going to fall off Like I said uh, What Abramovich has done there Has pretty much cemented them As uh, As As Premier League royalty Mm -hmm. So they're They're not I mean They're not going to win as frequently As they did But they'll still be You know In the top In the top I guess Top four Top five Whatever you want to call it Of uh, Of the English league Uh, I think uh, Todd has already Made himself well liked By Getting Lukaku Out of the <laughs>
1: Probably the yeah Because
0: a, a lot of Chelsea fans Wanted to see the back Of that guy And the fact that He's going to Inter They're like You know what And I guess They would like it Because they feel like You know We've handled that early Rather than have him Just there and so Yeah because it could be A huge long saga yeah. And, yeah So now they can You know Concentrate on what They need to do So now they're going After Sterling And uh Yeah um, so Adelaide, I also s- saw another rumor that they're also interested in taking Nathan Ake from City as well. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Jules Koundé and Nathan Ake are two defenders that they want to get in. Uh, Tukul to, to cool likes them. And uh, negotiations with Juventus have begun, according to Fabrizio Romano. And they're also... Um, looking to let Hakim Ziyech leave with uh ac milan because they're interested in in bringing uh him in so they they have a bunch of priorities um but I, i'm curious to see how how they move this transfer window and and you know by the end see if it would have been a good transfer window for them i know, see that because See how there's a lot of movement going, but have you notice how, like, it's the English teams who are doing most of the spending? Well, um, I was actually discussing that with a friend of mine the other day. He's a Juventus fan, and um, we were talking about uh, Pogba leaving to um, Juventus on a free from Manu, and I, I was. Um you know detailing my gripes with the Syria and gripes. yes, legitimate gripes what with gripes do you have with Syria and um la liga clubs because uh you know um recently there there were some deals that were set in place for them to take our certain arsenal players like Fiorentina were meant to uh buy Torreira. Uh I believe they had an obligation to buy him after his loan deal, but that deal somehow fell through for some reason. And um and they're not willing to to put up the money. And also um for um Hector Bellerin, he was on loan in Real Betis, had a really good season there. And yeah, but that's a La Liga club not Serie A. No, I said La Liga and Serie A clubs. Oh, okay. So he was on loan at Real Betis, and they were supposed to – well, not supposed to, but they want him. But, uh, you know, Arsenal set an asking price for about $15 million and they only put up about $8 million, uh, I think, pounds or so. I'm not sure if it's pounds or euros. So I was just uh, – we were just talking about how the uh, – the systems of the the Italian league and, and uh, the Spanish league don't spread enough money to uh, mid and lower uh, clubs on in the table, so all the money is concentrated at the the top two or three clubs in those leagues, as opposed to the Premier League, where you see teams from the bottom to the top being able to spend good amounts of money for players from within the league and outside their league and of course that has to do with like uh tv broadcasting rights in the uk being higher and more lucrative than uh, some other countries but that's more a, 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 um, a result of those the governing bodies of those uh, um, footballing leagues not opening up uh, the av- the ways that they can make more revenue for those clubs, yeah, I mean that just comes down to branding I mean if we go back to like the nineties the Premier League was not the best league no but it was the, the it was Syria yeah, it was Syria and then I guess, I I guess even a, a, a second you probably say la liga, yeah, and then maybe the Premier League then the French league or, and then the Dutch League. But the Premier League did the smart thing and they marketed themselves out to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. While, you know, well, you know, while Serie A was winning the Champions League, so all the Liga was winning the Champions League and stuff. So they were smart. They uh, And back then, they weren't advertising themselves as the best league, but they were advertising themselves out. Okay, you want to watch football? You know, watch the Premier League. And so that's why part of their... Uh, I guess you notoriety know, or their fan bases grew all over the world, and and also and, and um that, as yeah, and then that was able to get them more broadcasting rights to other countries. And when they said, "Okay, we have fans here, yeah, we have people here who want to watch this," and then you have to pay us this amount. And, and in conjunction with that, you know, or originally, you had to have you could only have a few um foreign players in a Premier League team um, early on, I think that changed um, with the Premier League. And when they were able to open up the Premier League to more international players, that also brought with that more... Yes, it increased the level. Yeah, it, it increased the, the, the quality of the league, but it also increased the viewership from other countries because those players were bringing... In fans from different parts of the world, so that also helped um, increase like the number of people viewing, and then in as a result the the TV rights and also the the, the good marketing that they they've done around the world. So yeah, um, they definitely took a lot of good steps, um, and I think another problem that these other leagues have um, is that most of the broadcasting uh, money goes to only a few clubs so yeah, the, yeah. the lion's share of of the money um, is not spread evenly or well between most of the La Liga clubs like your your Barcelona Real Madrid and then maybe um, Atletico will get most of the money and then it'll start to trickle down. Juventus earns a significant portion of Most of the broadcasting rights And then in Germany Germany is even worse With Bayern taking a huge Percentage of Of all the TV money To be fair Yeah that's what people Want to watch How many games Mm -hmm. in the In the Bundesliga Do you watch that doesn't Include uh, Include Bayern Munich It's the only time I really watch the Bundesliga is probably When Bayern Munich Is playing Dortmund Or maybe If they're playing Wolfsburg Or or something is and it the same thing applies to in fact when it comes to la liga the only time people really care is when a, a classical or the madrid derby yeah is going down and then the the french league not even messy is merely making people watch it that much i mean i don't know because psg actually had a record-breaking year in revenue um, since he came in. And I know that's mostly from shirt sales yeah, that was from sponsors. I mean, f- for his first game, yes, they had a huge viewership, but Messi didn't have a good year. No. But he's still... Yeah, he's still, <laughs> yeah, he, still going to sell shirts and stuff. He, the same thing applies to yeah. uh, Ronaldo and stuff. I, I, mean, I, I mean, those are two players that have shown that like, you know, be, based on what they've done in the past, they're forever cemented in uh uh in football legacy. Yeah. It's just a, a very um I think something that other clubs need to be, be, the reason why I brought it up was because it, it it irked me that we weren't able to get these kind of deals that didn't involve too much money to be done well, um, you know, a lot of these leagues, uh, they're still suffering, suffering from the uh, fallout of uh, uh, of the pandemic. I mean, everyone a- is suffering. Premier League has Yes, they are. Suffered. But, but, you know, first of all, they weren't making as much money as teams in the Premier League. So the Premier League was always going to bounce back a lot faster than the rest of them. Yeah. Because uh, I remember when uh, during the pandemic, the first league that came back was the Bundesliga. And I found myself watching the Bundesliga cause like I, <laughs> I needed that, I needed that football fix. Like I needed yeah, it in my yeah. veins. <laughs> but as soon as the premier league came back, pff, I dropped that thing faster than, uh, than a hot stone. It was. Yeah, no, um, I agree with that. So yeah, they just need to, to find a way to, to market themselves. <laughs> Better and to to be able to find a way to get more money to the to the clubs um, mid table and and lower because I think it'll <laughs> it'll make selling our players easier. That's really what I care about selling. It'll make and and <laughs> also not having the pla Arsenal players on stupidly huge wages as well. Well, that's something that um, with this new regime, Arsenal have finally, after several years, been able to get under control. Um, and it was a painful process because they had to cancel certain contracts of um, players on big wages like Aubameyang, um and a couple like Uzo, um ETC. But getting those wages off the books and also bringing in new players but not on ridiculously high wages has um, created a much healthier uh, wage bill yeah that's I mean that's just Arsenal you know I guess finally fixing the, their bed before they lay on it I mean a team like Un- United doesn't have that problem Cause they like do I have said, that problem well I, they have that problem but they can afford it a lot more than Arsenal could uh, yeah but it's it's still something that like you know they're currently in this saga of the the Frankie De Young saga right now where, you know, every day, every week, it's will they, won't they get him, this, that. Yeah, but, I that's, think, not be- but that's not because they can't afford him. Yeah, but... Um, I think they, they just don't want to f- feel like they've been taken advantage of like they did with uh, uh, Harry Maguire. I mean, and, and that comes from, I guess, learning from those mistakes in the past. So it, it has affected them by all intents and purposes. No, I think is I, I was uh listening to, I mean, was it the, the R S Buck podcast? It was what well where they mentioned that, you know, if we look at some of the best transfers in football, uh, well if we use Manchester City as a as a test, all their best transfers have been the players that they've paid probably say between maybe 30 to 40 million and 40 to like 50 and maybe capping out around 60. That every player, but if you look at almost every transfer that's like above, uh, I guess maybe say like 60 and above has almost been like a failure well, for most they, teams. Yeah. Because most teams. B- because you say that. Cause it's like once you pay above a certain amount, everyone automatically, expects you to i guess live up to that yeah to the amount, price tag to that price tag i mean I, I guess the only players who've ever really lived up to it are were ronaldo i guess you could say mbappe for psg and maybe say neymar to a lesser extent well hmm because I mean, united paid what about 80 or was it 90 million for pogba that didn't mm-hmm. work out they paid about eighty for Maguire. She hasn't been a he hasn't been a great defender for them. Arsenal paid seventy two for Pepe. That that hasn't worked out. Mm-hmm. Chelsea paid uh uh what was it almost a hundred for the Lukaku. king's that ransom. That didn't work out. They paid was it how much was it that they paid for Kepa? I it was I think it was about, about seventy something. Yeah. Uh, that hasn't worked out. I mean, yeah, they paid about, I guess, but, but 70 for Kai Havertz. So he's been I, good, but great. I think, not great. Um, you know, uh, clubs, at least some clubs, are trying to create a balance where you can balance the books so that you can have, like, maybe one really big signing in the window so that um, every, every transfer is always a gamble. So... Whenever you make that big marquee signing, uh, with a lot of money, if at least you, your, um, books are are balanced, then it's not going to have a crazy ripple effect for the next five years and, and make the rest of your transfer business and, um, difficult and also won't destroy your wage structure. So I think some clubs are definitely learning, um, that better. Um but moving on, uh there's a bunch of other deals. Uh Man City have agreed a deal for Calvin Phillips from Leeds. And uh that Yeah, I was surprised that the the amount was that low, honestly. I yeah, 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 yeah. I thought because when I look at the amount of money uh that the Leeds is asking um for rafinha you know Calvin Phillips is basically you know part of the pivot, the the engine of that team, and it's not just that he's a local boy. He yeah he grew yeah, up yeah yeah there. he's been there his whole life. You'd think the English tax also would have exactly the English tax would That's the played one. a bigger part in that. But you know what, uh, Man City never put themselves in a position where they're they're needing to overpay for uh, a lot of their targets um that said it could also have a ripple effect on, on the Rafinha deal that Arsenal is looking to close because they put in a bid they put in one bid that was turned down i think it was around 35 or something and uh reports have come out that they put in a new bid for Rafinha i mean it was always going to have uh, have an effect but it comes down to our I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks cuz it looks like Barcelona are, are waiting for United to pay the money that they want for uh the so that they can use that to pay for Rafinha, I believe. I don't actually believe that. Um I think that Barcelona Well, what, well uh let me finish my point cuz I feel like stuff like that a lot of lots of teams do that when they're like in a similar position to uh, to Barcelona. So, you know, that they're waiting for like for all the dominoes to fall into place. Mm-hmm. So because you know, c- all the rumors we heard was that Barcelona is where he wanted to go to and that personal terms had already been agreed to Barcelona. And I think that if Leeds had gone down, I think they were ready to sell him for about 35, but then mm-hmm. Leeds end up staying up. So, you know, uh, so that threw that out of the water. So, it, it, so the thing I'm thinking for that when it comes to Rafinha himself, if Barcelona can't go for him, is would he be happy if Leeds price him out of a move? Well, here's the thing: um, there's a lot of moving parts to this because Barcelona themselves are in a bit of a quagmire. If uh, even if they get the money. For Diong from Manu, they still have much bigger obligations uh, that they have to fulfill. Number one, they have players on their books that they can't even register, and the La Liga uh, f- financial fair play rules are, are very strict, and they are in like they are in a bad financial position. I know that they're trying to. Um, Um, sell some certain rights, I can't remember the story exactly, but to to be able to free up 700 mil or something like that. But the thing is they're trying to we've also heard that uh, they're in negotiations with uh, Dembele to resign. If they resign Dembele, then they're not going to go for Rafinha again because it'll be cheaper for them to do that than spend a majority of that De Jong money on um. Rafinha and also they're trying to get Lewandowski um, and uh, Bayern Munich isn't going for the the 30 to 35 mil that they have uh, bid for him so th- there's other key thing positions and things that uh, Barcelona have to fulfill that are more important than the Rafinha deal that's why I look at it that They have other things. Unless, of course, to them, maybe to them, they'll rather do the Rafinha deal, get rid of Dembele. Um, But then getting rid of Dembele, they're not going to earn as much money because he's just been on the operating table. He hasn't played that much for them. I don't think... I think that they could keep Dembele and still try to sign Rafinha because... Like I said, they also have Champions League football this year. They also want uh, a, a deep squad and want to be able to bring quality off the bench. Every Any team that's going for a title challenge or Champions League, you need to have that. You can't have a huge drop from your first team to your bench. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they will, the, the same reason why Arsenal is going for Fina because they want depth for their attacking positions is the same reason why Barcelona will be going for him as well. I, I agree that Barcelona would like to have Rafinha. I just think that given their current situation, uh, there's just so much other things that other positions that are more important at this point in time before they reach Rafinha. Um, but hey, um, whatever th- their order is, you never know. They could find money out of somewhere. And we don't know behind the scenes, um, like you said. It, you know, Rafinha, that is his um, preferred destination. Sometimes, and I think what's happening now is that Arsenal see an opportunity here to swoop in. And because they're bidding higher than what Barcelona is at this present moment, um, they see an opportunity to get a world-class talent um, before... Anyone else can come in because there's other teams that are looking at him. Uh, Spurs are looking at him, but it looks like they're going for uh, Richarlison. Richarlison at this point in time. Chelsea, you know, in case the Raheem Sterling deal doesn't work out, could possibly try and come and swoop in on Rafinha and they can offer Champions League football also. All so, those other teams can offer Champions League football. Yeah, that, that's what my point is like, they, there's so many things and that's that's why i think arsenal is trying to move quickly on the deal uh to make it happen um before you know in case there's any other teams where that, that could come in quickly yeah it's like uh there's a lot of irons in the fire for this one player yeah, it also looks like uh, Real Madrid are looking to extend uh, Vinicius Jr.'s contract, which I think is a really good thing for them. I mean, that that just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. And honestly, who's, if someone wanted to buy Vinicius Jr., Real Madrid could easily just say, give us $100 million, and that would scare off anyone. And at the same time, I don't think he would want to leave. Mm-hmm. He, he just won what i think he just won the liga and the champions league there he's a he's enjoying life and he and to be fair to him he's come a long way since he first got there because I, I thought i honestly thought that they were gonna get rid of him when he first got there because he just wasn't clicking but they kept with him and, and it worked out yeah um you know he's gonna be if anyone just come in for him in the next couple of years is gonna be worth like ridiculous money um no, I think the only way i mean i'm I'm not saying that Real Madrid would ever let him go no no no, no the, the one thing about Real Madrid is if Real Madrid see that a player wants to leave and there's somebody somewhere who's of equal level, they will let the player leave. They're mm. not like Barcelona who would put in. Something crazy like a billion euros as a release clause because they're they're scared of their players leaving.
1: Mm.
0: I, I mean, yeah, I mean uh, it's why we keep sharing about Real Madrid. Uh, was what a Galacticos? Because they the one thing I can say about Real Madrid is they it believe that no player is bigger than the club. Mm-hmm. When Ronaldo was was ready to leave, they're like, okay, thanks for the memories. Deuces. Yep. They they don't hold on to players past when the players they it it look it was Barcelona that was crying that uh, Messi had to leave. <laughs> they really were. Um, yeah, wh- uh, who's that young Spanish player? That's it. Uh, is it Gavi or something? Like they signed in and and they put like a billion euros uh, as his release clause to scare off anyone wanting to buy the seventeen. Which is Euro. insane. I was like, what if things don't go right and it just decides, you know what, I'm just not going to renew my contract yeah, so that I can leave whenever I... Like, like to me, that's still one of the, the things that just pisses me off about the structure at Barcelona. I was like, you shouldn't be scared that these players would leave if you are this big of an institution. Like, as long as you keep winning, they're going to want to stay. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, you still need to bring in money to, you know to uh, clear the box or you know and think that if you sell this player you could like I said you still have the, a La Mesa where, uh, where they bring up uh, their young players or just go buy someone else hey well that's why I think they're in a lot of the uh, really huge financial mess yeah, that they're th- in right now uh, uh, like to me I, I think they were never thinking of life beyond Messi no that they, they were not at all at all Um, And to be fair, Messi was not thinking too far ahead until problems started at Barcelona. That's when he he had to really look. No, but I I think it's different for for him because he's a player. At some point, he's going to retire, even if he stayed at, at Barcelona for the rest of his playing career. At some point, he was going to retire, but Barcelona showed that they were not thinking about that at all. Mm-hmm. To them, Messi was probably going to keep playing until he was 40 or 50. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, that That's why for me, I, like, just tying back to that, uh, De Jong, De, like, there's so many things that it could influence, like we were saying. Um, and, and in years past, uh, Barcelona would... I think just go out and, and buy Rafinha if they wanted to, but they have to think smartly at this point in time um, than before, which is why they're still negotiating with like the belly and, and other things like that. But, anyways, uh, moving on to a Real Madrid player that is now going to the MLS, Gareth Bale. Gareth, mother loving Bale, is going to LAFC. I mean, very interesting deal. Um, I guess he turned down opportunities in other places in Europe. And now he's going to be... Yeah, I think he turned down Cardiff City and... uh, I can't remember the other team. um, Yeah, I don't know what other team it was, but... I was surprised. Um, I didn't think he would come this early to me, because I feel like he could still play in Europe for a little bit, but... Hey, I mean, I'm sure he'll earn a king's ransom in L.A., um, a lot of commercial opportunities, and he could go play golf. Yeah, I mean, they did ask him once, now where does he like to go? And he said one of his favorite places in the world, and he said the beach is in L.A., so yeah, he's close to that. I mean, he signed a one-year contract with an option to extend. So he joins uh, Chiellini from, from Juventus. Uh, and their first game Could be uh, uh, El Trafico El Trafico <laughs> Yeah uh, LAFC versus uh, LA, LA Galaxy La- Yeah <laughs> That's funny El Trafico uh, You haven't heard that? No No I said because The uh, the traffic I in LA know LA traffic Is, is notorious and, and especially between it, Between where the two stadiums Are in As well So it's like uh, El Trafico that's funny. Um trying to see any other news and deals that you wanted to cover? I saw that uh what's his name? Uh Luis Suarez went to uh, went to River Plate. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I honestly thought the Premier League was, team was gonna snatch him up because he's a proven goal scorer everywhere. Is, it, is River River Plate in Ar- Argentina? Argentina? Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um. That's a one of those leagues. I know River Plate is the. Um, they're they're a big team. Yeah, they're a big South club America. over there. That's. They're, I think they're one of like the only Argentinian clubs that I actually know of. Um, but that's surprising. But good for him, I guess. Yeah. I, I honestly was ready to see him back in the Premier League because I saw rumors that uh, Villa was interested in him. I was like, ooh. Is I I was like, is that gonna be another ex Liverpool player that goes yeah. to that goes to Villa? But then th- maybe they probably thought of it and thought the optics just weren't good. And I think he's like what, he's thirty five or thirty I'm, six, I'm not sure. Yeah, that'd have been weird. Um not that I've been a weird team in Villa, it would just been weird that it's like they were getting on the ex Liverpoolers. Um I think those were like a lot of the major stories. I, I think uh, you know, if we, we touch on the Petr Cech, um story from Chelsea a lot of Chelsea fans were really happy with the job that he was doing, even though he wasn't there for too long. I think like two years in that job, but uh, apparently he he'll bring in Eduard Mendy and a bunch of like he he hasn't he hadn't had like a a bad a really bad transfer yet. I mean, obviously the Lukaku thing, uh, but yeah, they're they're going all out, and you know. Bringing in a whole bunch of new people, uh, Arsenal officially unveiled Matt Turner, the MLS goalkeeper from New England Revolution. And, um, it was, I think we did talk about that video that he did, um, where he was Uh, signing jerseys for in his last game for the New England Revolution. And Uh, some ignored the Spurs jersey, yeah. I think some someone had like a Spurs jersey and like he. He was about to sign it. Then he looked at it and he was like, oh, nope. And then he just like went away and said, he was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And a nice bit of banter. Yeah. It's endearing himself to the to the fans already. Um. So, yeah, I think um, that's most of the ones that I've, uh, I think we're bubbling up this week. Did you have anything else? Uh not much. So Spurs are interested in uh defender Piero Hincape. I've never. never heard of him. Uh no, I haven't, but uh I think he's from Brian Leverkusen. But yeah, Spurs are also making moves as well, man. They're they've been getting the the players that uh Conte wants. Yeah, I mean he's brought in Fraser Foster Ivan Perisic and uh, Yves Busuma. Um, so I mean, obviously two of those were free, and then Busuma I think they paid around uh, thirty or twenty something no. mil. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do. I know they're in for Charlison, and they're looking at they're looking at a lot of players that Arsenal are also looking at. Um, so let's see what happens. I know they've been trying to attract a another striker. I I just feel like uh, a lot of people don't want to have to play um behind Kane or on the bench uh with Kane in front. So we'll see who they they do bring in there. And I think they um uh Harry Winks was Set to move to, um, oh, I forgot which team it was, but he's linked with a move to another Premier League team, maybe Fulham or something. They'll have to confirm that. Yeah, it was that, and uh, oh, they also wanted Anthony Gordon from um, Everton as well. I think. Uh, I think he's a decent player. He's a dis- decent player, and then you know, I think that's a player that uh, Everton is gonna slap on some English tax on yeah i mean yeah every club does <laughs> um uh, yeah, and he's young too so counts as homegrown it's yeah man i just can't wait oh yeah did you see the rumor that uh chelsea might want to sign ronaldo from united yeah I did, and once again, I saw that Todd Boley was <laughs> um in talks um but uh I think that has also kind of been quashed yeah it's been it's been squashed. I think even uh, F- Fabrizio Brazil Romano was probably like uh, like there probably isn't way to it, but it's maybe just a move by Ronaldo to sort of light a fire on the Manchester Uniteds, but I think like them signed players. And fair play to him, you know. Um, he has to see what they're willing to do or what their ambition level is. So I don't blame him for for doing that. Well, no, I know for a fact that Ronaldo wants to win titles. Of course, we have and a serial then, serial winner. Yeah, last season win. was the first time he hadn't won a, won any trophy in in a couple of years. So and it's looking like. I mean, no matter how good Ten Hag is, I don't think he's winning the Premier League. Maybe an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup. Hmm. Because, right, you know, usually when it comes to Cups, it's kind of open season for everybody. Yeah. I right, um I also saw this funny headline as well. I think it was on ESPN. I don't know, was it... I think was it a Manchester city chairman or somebody There, an executive there said that um, real Madrid were lucky to win the champions league. And then he said out that they were lucky to beat Chelsea. They were lucky to beat PSG and they were lucky to beat city. And I was like, you can't have luck that many times. Uh, I mean, probably you can, but at the end of the day, it's just more evidence to the fact that when it comes to a cup competition, it's not about being the best team. No. Because, like we've said it before, both times when Chelsea won the, the Champions League, they were not the best team in, in Europe. Mm. They had a great defense the last time, you know, which yeah. really helped them. Um, yeah, but not close defense. to the best team. They they were not the best team on both occasions. Um, I'll say probably even when... Liverpool wanted this last time they were a very good team but you wouldn't have said they were the best team and you know and they came up against a very terrible Tottenham team in the final yeah um, that was not a good <laughs> yeah e- even with like uh, yeah just any cup competitions look at the FA Cups that uh, Arsenal won the last couple of years they weren't the best team in that competition I mean the last one that they won where they beat uh, Manchester City and then beat Chelsea those were two teams that were better than Arsenal Mm -hmm. but somehow they were able to overcome it so it's why I agree with people that cup competitions are great but they don't really tell you who's really the best a league always does a better job of telling you that yep completely completely true so I think the guy was just I mean, though I a- agree, but he w- I think he was just coming from place of hurt. And he just needs to go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um... I think, uh, I think that covers most of the news um, so far. Yeah, it covers everything so far for this week. I mean, well, most of the press and stuff. And... Uh, think by next week we should have some more news at least on united in their chase for De young arsenal maybe would have announced gabriel jesus and we'll see how far they get with uh martinez and uh i don't the one thing we didn't really talk about is uh, everything just seems to have gone cold on uh, yuri tillemans yeah um it's interesting a lot of the the talk has been that um it's kind of been put on the back burner because there haven't been other clubs in for him so yeah I Arsenal heard that as is well, that they don't feel like they have to move fast because they're not in competition for other teams like the way how they are for uh, they were for for Jesus and uh, Rafinha and and what's his name uh, Martinez as well. Uh, uh, well we'll see what happens with that as well if Arsenal get these players that they want uh, or if they don't right Let's see. so yeah we should know more by next week and uh, Mane completed his move to Bayern so I'm really curious to see how that works out um, I think it obviously it's a great move but I, I really want to see um, how he fits in over there all right everyone thanks for joining us this week you know it's a uh, instead of low-key and just a lot of speculation (laughs) and stuff we're just talking about. But, you know, that's what transfers is. I know we try not to be as clickbaity as most other places. I mean, (coughs) listen, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, But, yeah, that's uh, most of the big news for this week. And we'll be back again to see what's happening in the transfer market. All right, guys, from me, see you guys soon. Yeah, and uh, I'm out as well. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye.